0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Uncomfortable. Here with me in the studio, Mr. Mike Muse. I feel like I have to say your name that way.
1: It's all good. Political
0: and pop (laughs) culture expert. You specialize in this intersection of entertainment and politics where there is so much happening these days, which is fascinating. We're going to get into that too, talk about the Oscars. But first, we always like to hear about how a guest comes to kind of do the work that you do, why you specialize in what you do. So tell me about you. Where'd you grow up? Tell me about your family.
1: It's such an interesting story, Amna. So I'm from Lansing, Michigan, originally. Okay. Uh, I went to the University of Michigan, I guess where the story begins. And I majored in industrial engineering and okay. chemical research. I had a really great time with it, but I didn't see it as a fit for me. I, could, yeah. I didn't see me with my personality being able to do that every day from nine to five. And so, What well,
0: led you to that in the first place, though? That's a you, that's really very specific, great question, very since specific, we're getting yeah. uncomfortable,
1: right? There, There is this notion, and especially, I went to a public high school. Yeah. Uh, it was a really great public high school, too, as well. Yeah. Uh, Lansing at the time was booming because of the automotive industry. Things have changed, obviously. But, you know, in the automotive industry or city has a strong economy, everything else is strong, the school right. system, the school districts. And the school that I went to was a very diverse school. But at the time, though, there was this notion, and it still exists today, and this is the uncomfortable part of our conversation, is where if you're black and you're smart, you're automatically pushed. Into to the sciences. right? You're not really allowed to explore other areas. It's part generational too as well. A lot of yeah. us are first time college generation students and so we don't know any other. Yeah. And so my counselors and teachers at the time said, you know, like, engineering is a great career and you always have a job and you're black and you should do this. And so I Meaning did like it. you
0: should represent because you can. Yeah. You have the ability so you should.
1: Yeah, I and mean, you always have a job. Right? And so it wasn't a negative thing. And so I'm not saying what my teachers did was anything negative associated with it. It was just... What it was at the time, right? And they were looking out for my best interest, but in doing so, it didn't allow me the other opportunity to explore other careers. And so by the time I got to college, I recognized that this actually isn't me. It doesn't really fit me. And I had an internship at Motorola Mm -hmm. um, out in Phoenix my second the summer after my second year. And that's when I realized that this isn't it. You know, they had molecular structures hanging down from the ceilings and science journals on the desk. And I was like, I can't do this every day from nine to five. But you stick with it, right? And so you can't turn back now because you're X amount of years in, you're X amount of money in. And, right. and it's difficult then to tr- switch majors at that point. And then what was I going to switch to, Amina? I hadn't really had the freedom to explore anything else right. but that. But I knew I was unhappy. Um, and so what happened was I talked with one of my uh, associate deans of the college. Uh, her name was Lisa. Mm-hmm. And so she said, Mike, you're so unhappy. She said, let it go. She said, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it for your family. You're doing it for the pressure of your peers and the social pressure that you're in. And she said, but don't be foolish. Graduate. You only have one right. semester left. Yeah. And then she said, then explore other opportunities. And at that time, I had received a final offer from a major consulting firm, one of the big fives here in New York City, um, and I turned them down unbeknownst to my parents. Right, I and said so they didn't know. They thought I just pushed my start date back.
0: Now, did your parents know that you were unhappy, or did they think you were continuing on this path? And kind of- no, they
1: didn't know I was unhappy at all. Because on the surface everything looked great. I was right. receiving awards. I was on this national board for engineers. You know, they would come to campus. They would come to my conferences. I was a regional chair of like in different states. Oh my and so they saw this, and they saw me getting these fantastic internships. Are really difficult internships to get. Yeah. They saw me getting scholarships, and so they didn't see anything else. Right, and I didn't want to concern them. I didn't want them to worry them right. it was one of those things well let me figure it out on my own and right. then before I can do it before I present it.
0: them with the problem let me try to sort it out myself
1: exactly yeah. and so the whole idea was I'm gonna move to Florida I'm gonna be a bartender right that was- <laughs> <laughs> how random Amna right like how random like, then
0: I had this great meeting with the men and you were like no. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Florida yeah. and I'm gonna be a bartender that's exactly okay. what it
1: is I didn't even drink Amna at the time How? Why? when what I just wanted a departure right because okay. not only that you know, president of my fraternity, you know, I was, you know, student leader of the year at a large institution such as Michigan. I was in student honor societies. that yeah. were really large on scale. And so I was really kind of this, a very focal point of a university. When you're that young, 18, 19, 20, 21, and yeah. you assume that much responsibility, and you don't have the resources that an athlete has on campus for student support and psychological and mental health services that you do as student leaders, which is something I think that we should focus on as a nation. That's a really
0: good point. As those students yeah. who are
1: actively involved on campus, they need just as equal amount of supports that we give other people who are out front. Yeah. Support and services. And so I was wanting a break. And in that, I was like, you know what? Let me just find self. Right? And then this Good for ger- you, yeah. by the way,
0: to recognize that at yeah. that time in your life because most people wouldn't, right? Once you're tracked yep. for something, once you're heading a direction, you just kind of keep going.
1: Yeah. It took a lot of courage to do that. Um, and in that process of finding self, uh, a buddy of mine called me up and said, hey, Mike, would you mind being my manager of this music production company? And I said, absolutely not. I was like, <laughs> I am not music. I'm not, right? I was like, you know, imagine Never been this. an
0: interest of yours. Never
1: been anything you're interested in. Entertainment and media, no way. I said, those people are stupid. Right? Uh-huh. Like, Louie, I said that. Uh-huh. I was like, you know, because you look at my point of view. Like, right. I did nuclear chemical research. Like, right. I won awards for nuclear chemical research. <laughs> right? Like, I interned at one of the most top, you know, engineering companies. Yeah. Right? That were known for. And so that was a presence of mind I had.
0: But at that point, so did you go to Florida?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was there. I was bartending. In I was bartending. did you
0: have any sort of like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that? Or no. was it just, let's just it was I'm going to just
1: figure it out. Okay. You know what I mean? I was on my way, of course. I was one of those kids too as well. I'm going to backpack Europe and just find myself <laughs> in the mountains in the Swiss Alps somewhere. <laughs> just, this like amazing moment oh. that never came. <laughs> it's a dream, people. That's only in the movies. <laughs> so, the offer,
0: exactly, yeah. so the offer comes in for this music gig and you yeah. say no right away?
1: I say no immediately. And I said no multiple times. Uh, his name is Marcus Collins and he kept calling me. And so finally I said, why do you want me? You know, And then he, he said the reasons why. He said, you're really creative. a." Business, you're a people person. I think this fits you. He was also an engineer too, as well. Um, oh, really? From University of Michigan. Yeah, okay. so it's a trend uh, there as well. <laughs> like so a make a whole group. Yeah. Of y'all. <laughs> make a long story short. I started. I started managing the production company from there. I decided to turn it into a record label, Muse Recordings, and then that's really how the story began. Okay. Um, so then I moved back to Michigan, but this time I moved to the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really get immersed into the business, and we had this incredible success. i um, so I was able to we wrote a business plan and got some venture capital, and yeah. then we got these amazing strategic partnerships like Starbucks and Chrysler and the NFL and McDonald's and and, it just took off and it just took off and then it became this narrative like how does this kid go from nuclear chemical research you know amass these strategic partnerships of these 360 deals when at the time a lot of major companies didn't have it and by the way we weren't on MTV right Right. we had no spins on radio we weren't charting on billboard but we still had this success and so then I moved to New York and then that became the story right that's really the branding story of me became known and that's when I started guest lecturing at different colleges and universities and that's when radio came Calling my first radio gig uh, was WGCI in Chicago. Um, I would call in from uh, New York uh, from four to five, the Tony (laughs) Steele show, (laughs) and uh, we would just talk about the business of music. Yeah, I mean for just an hour time period, and it was absolutely incredible. And then from there, I got other.
0: How did the interest? Because you're one of those rare people who is incredibly well versed, incredibly well experienced, and and incredibly articulate and knowledgeable about entertainment. Mm -hmm. But you also got this side of you where you follow politics, you know news events, social justice like you're in all the issues that matter in our day too yeah how did those two come together
1: great question Amna. you're good at this <laughs> you're really good I've
0: done a couple of
1: these. yeah literally so what happened was um, so after all that TV radio I, I was doing all that yeah. President Obama at the time Senator Obama and at the time candidate Obama yeah. announced his candidacy January of 07 the campaign caught me up in March of 07 that I got recommended to be part of the Tri-State Finance Committee and of course Amna with the trend that I said earlier I said nope not interested not you at said all. No? Absolutely. I said, Why? you have the wrong guy because they wanted me to fundraise. Wow. And I said, I'm not a fundraiser. I said, I never fundraised a day in my life. But I was like, hey, your guy's great. I'm gonna support him. I'm gonna vote for him. Yeah, I didn't think he was gonna win, but I was like I'm still gonna vote for him anyway. Not at all. Um and so they said, you know what? I said, you know, what we hear about you from all these different touch points you have in media, again, and, mm-hmm. and reaching different youth and youthful demographics, we believe you can bring that energy into the campaign. And they said, Come to one meeting, it can't hurt. I wanna be really mindful of time, Mom. you have to realize this is when he first started, mm-hmm. this was based in New York City, Clinton territory country. It wasn't like millions of people were beating down the yeah. door to be part of this campaign, yeah. right? And so no, I wanna be a story a
0: lot of people don't know like yeah, early days.
1: This is like literally like third month in. Yeah. Right? There was no bandwagon.
0: There was, was no like, bandwagon. Will
1: you help us? <laughs> literally. So, yeah. that. so I don't want to think people, I'm like some god right. from 2016, time period 12. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to oversell myself at <laughs> I was just this kid. They heard about me. I finally came to a meeting and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then here we are You eight sold. Years, sold. And eight years later, I became known as the youngest person to raise a million dollars for a sitting president, uh, like in one year, oh, for a presidential candidate, like yeah. in one year. And so that just kind of just took off. And I'm in that Moment where the intersection began was I started leveraging my contacts and resources I had in the media entertainment realm, mm-hmm. and I said that I started using my. Political connections to really entice the pop culture, the media entertainment realm to as well. And I said, you know what? Politics is giving my media counterparts a voice, right? It's giving them a platform. And remember, this is 2008, so before there were hashtagging, right? Before there was this social media activism. So really think about it from that time period. It was allowing them a platform to engage and participate. And then I was using pop culture to kind of help translate the messaging, you know, that was happening. And then I woke up one day and I said, oh my God, I'm really intersecting this. And so now that's what I do. So all the work that I do, it has to have this intersection. doesn't have the intersection I won't do it I won't participate in it and it's now my passion if you as a separate omna, if it's just music or media entertainment it's just a love yeah right? and if it's just politics on its own it's just a love right it doesn't get me out of bed separately but what gets me out of bed every day is a combination of the two and well, then I discover my passion
0: it feels like everything is happening at that intersection these days and it, mm-hmm. it comes to a head really around award season yes right? and we got to do this great Oscar nomination show together yeah recently the Oscars are just around the corner now so I want to try to focus a lot of the conversation on Hollywood, about what we know about representation, why things are changing, why they aren't changing. But let's talk about that uh, in particular, because when we talk about representation, when we talk about Hollywood, it's not anecdotal, right? It's Mm -hmm. not like, oh, I just haven't seen people like me or people like you or whatever. There's evidence, right? There's a number of studies that show that representation is severely lacking when it comes Mm -hmm. to the rest of America and Hollywood. So minorities are what, like a little over 40% of the country right now? We're not represented nope. when it comes to the big screen and in Hollywood. Before we get into specifics, just big picture, why do you think that is? Why is there such a lag?
1: There's a lack of this whole, like, unconscious biases, I think, that exist all throughout Hollywood. And I think that is very really reflective of the industries and sectors across yeah. America, whether it's in finance, whether it's in law, uh, whether it's in consumer good products. There is this notion, and, and, and think about it, Amna, like when McDonald's has a commercial, right, and they're advertising, let's just say, for example, a new cheeseburger, mm-hmm. right? They'll literally have four different commercial spots for that cheeseburger. They'll have a cheeseburger for the Hispanic market, right, with Hispanic actors. They'll have a cheeseburger with African-Americans eating it. They don't have a cheeseburger with single mom taking her kids to a soccer game and they stop along the way to get a hamburger and so we've always segmented our population right yeah. and so but people understand that hamburgers and cheeseburgers are universal people right like you know soccer moms just don't eat cheeseburgers on the way to soccer practice that
0: is a platform you can run on yeah
1: they're really universal you can't and so get
0: behind that you
1: can't I think that's what translates into Hollywood right and there's these segmented roles right so this character is only for a black character or right. this character is only for a white female right Right and and then this role or this storyline is only for Black Americans. You know, there's there's no way Black Americans will enjoy a horror film. Right. 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 There's no way Black Americans can rally around a film of majority LGBTQ identity dynamics and issues. And there's no way they can see that. Right. But in essence. They can, they will, because African-American stories are universal American stories, right? And I heard this fantastic quote recently Mm -hmm. from a lady, and she said, the more, and and she's an African-American woman doing fantastic work uh, in Hollywood on the animation side, and she said, you know what, when you lean into what makes you different, she said, that's the more universal your story will become. Right. And she said, because when you lean into that, everyone can recognize something in you and themselves,
0: because right. it gets down to that granular, like the details of our lives yeah. that are actually the things human that Human interest stories,
1: human connectivity. But um, this,
0: this conversation, because when we talk about Hollywood, sometimes we talk about it like it's something separate. Yeah. And it feels like, and tell me if you think I'm, I'm right or wrong here, it feels like when we talk about it now, we're treating it more sort of like an institutional power. in mm-hmm. the same way we talk about representation in politics or in finance or in other fields, is, is that a fair way to talk about it now?
1: Every example that you use is, is spot on because it really goes down to class right? When you think about Hollywood, you think about classism, right? You think about how much money these actors make. You think how much studios, these studios make, the directors, how much they make per film. You know, during the glory days of Hollywood, what actors were commanding, what, $20 million per film at the right. top of their league? That's a lot of money, right? And you know, all these awards for presentation, nothing but champagne and black tie and tuxedos. But it's actually no different than what you said about finance and Wall Street, right? When you think about financing, about the one percenters, right? right? And so, so money sometimes in this society that we're in equates to status. It, it equates to these institutions, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of has that narrative of too big to fail that we heard in 2008, right, in right. the bailout scenarios. These banks are too big to fail. Yeah. It's too valuable, right? They represent too much of the American fabric of who we are, and unfortunately, we allow ourselves to get caught up with that mentality, and so that's why Hollywood has been able to have this institutional aspect of it, because of the money and power that it yields.
0: Let's talk about some of the numbers, though, because when preparing for this conversation, I had to kind of remind myself just how bad it is in some places, but there are a number of places that look at the data year to year. One is the University of Southern California, where the Annenberg Communications School uh, releases every year their Media Diversity and Social Change Initiative report. From last year, this is a quote, uh, representation of women, minorities, LGBT people, disabled characters in films remains largely unchanged from the previous year, despite heightened attention to diversity in Hollywood. Does that surprise you, that for as much as we're talking about it, there really wasn't a lot of change year to year?
1: Not at all. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it takes the executives who are there in order to cast and to hire, right? And so that's still a very monolithic demographic. Generally still white males run the studios, right? Right. And in charge of the casting and the aspect of it and the directors who select. Now, I do believe there is a change that is coming slowly, right? And so what we're seeing now is this, especially happening within television, I think television is going to lead the way for the big screen. Interesting. Right? Why so do you think you, that is? Great question. Because when you see television, I think now television is diverse as it's ever been, yeah. right? And so, when and, and, and still it's a long way to go. So that I'm saying that relatively speaking, <laughs> <laughs> but now you're seeing so many, most important, so many black showrunners where we've never seen before. And showrunners,
0: right? for someone who doesn't understand the industry, those are the people who kind of hold the editorial control.
1: Yeah, right? the, like, some, like, the creators of the show, right. the ones who create. Like Shonda Rhimes. Shonda the Rimes, example, right? right? The writers. And they could. They like the directors, they keep the temple of it and they're they're involved in hiring of the casting of it. Yeah. So if you have black showrunners now, they're able to now pick black or minority or female or LGBTQ directors, which you're seeing that across the board of diverse shows now. Yeah. There's almost a different director every week. So what that's doing is allowing that that female or allowing that black or Hispanic or Asian or Indian American now right. to get experience in their reel so now they can present that to Hollywood if they so choose to go to the big screen, where before they always say, well, did you have any experience? They say, no, I've never directed anything. Well, then I can't hire you based on the merits. But now that's changing yeah. because now I actually do have experience. I do have a reel. I have directed X Amount of episodes on television shows before, and let's be fair and honest too, Amna. It wasn't about the marriage previously, right? Like you hear these amazing stories. Yeah. And there was even a film that got nominated. I'm not going to call them out, but there's a film that got nominated oh, last them. year, La La Land, right? And so they were just talking about. How, you,
0: yeah.
1: of- <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for permission Please. to call them out, and Please. it was amazing. I heard an interview, and and when when they were creating it, and they said, "Yeah, we we just went to the studio with this idea." Right? And the studios bought into it and they funded this. And what
0: did you think when you heard that? And I was like,
1: oh my God, is it that easy for some people just to be able to have this idea? To go in into the studio with no no test, you know, no short film of it, no version of it, and just have this conversation. Yeah. But that's really how things get done, right? And so that's when I question the Hollywood and comes to the merit. There's another controversial since we're uncomfortable. Another controversial show coming on HBO with yeah. the creators of Game of Thrones with Confederate. Tell Confederacy.
0: Yes. And Is it still in the works now? It's still in the works. Okay. As far as
1: I know, it's still in the works, and I haven't seen anything different yeah. to prove otherwise. But I was reading the article from the president of HBO and yeah. they were are talking about how this show get greenlit. Now, granted, Game of Thrones is a huge hit for HBO. Absolutely. I want to be very mindful of that. Yeah. And so that make I get it. I get why they can go in so easily and get So there's a proven a record
0: pitch. to say, yes, you know audiences, you know exactly. good television. Absolutely, especially okay. Game of Thrones. I'm gonna yes. be
1: very specific and clear what I'm saying right now. 100%. But what the president said was that when he greenlit the idea when they came to him, he hadn't even read the treatment yet, right? And in the article he said, I haven't even seen the episode yet. You know, I don't even know how they're gonna tell the story. But yet, you were willing to take a chance on this very controversial topic. Right. No matter what it is. a lot of blowback. Just announcing it. Yeah. The converted flag is a very controversial topic. Yeah. And you decided not to even look at a treatment. You decided not to even consider other episodes, right? Mm. Where it's easy for some. So when it comes You're to, saying, to like the merit, right
0: questions, aren't even being asked at that level because the people who might ask the questions aren't in those positions they're
1: not of in, power. Exactly. And then that's how you get to these unconscious biases that exist and yes. no one's there to question, but then it really undermines this whole notion of merit and you have to have this incredible resume and dossier. Right. I'm using two very distinct examples here, but just yeah. to highlight, you know, a very controversial issue about what is at stake and what the issue is in Hollywood. Well, it's it comes hard to, to in that.
0: the creative fields when you talk about merit, right? It's not mm-hmm. like you, it's not like in finance where you can Say this person raised, you know made this much money yep. year year over year. In the creative industry, it's a little harder to talk about merit, right? Does it, that complicate the issue too? That's it's what it subjective. is.
1: That is it's very subjective. And that's when it gets in a boys' club narrative, right? And that's when they start hiring casting their friends. You know, oh I worked on with Johnny on my previous two films, so then why wouldn't I hire Johnny to be the lead on this film? Right. right? It's just that they you usually hire and go with who you know, right? You're and talking
0: it, about Johnny Depp, right? And the parts oh, of the <laughs>
1: Obviously. Why would you not go with John? We can tell you wrong with that. I, yeah. want talk, I want
0: to talk about a couple of different breakdowns because when we talk about representation, it's not just about race. There's gender breakdowns, yep. too. There's uh, disabled Americans being underrepresented. But this number really fascinated me. So this report I, I referenced earlier, just talking about the place of women in Hollywood in those films, what they did was they looked at 2016's top 100 films and they looked Mm -hmm. at all the speaking and named roles so it's very specific it's like who has an actual role that's worth paying attention to in Mm -hmm. these films so they looked at 4,583 speaking characters of all of those characters 31 percent were female in 2016 Mm -hmm. you look at that and you think okay that's not so bad right Mm -hmm. But then they went on to say that number is basically unchanged since 2007. Wow. So in almost a decade, there wasn't a shift at all. Does yeah. that surprise you? We're not talking about race at all. Representat- this is just women it's in gender. the industry.
1: It doesn't surprise me one bit.
0: Nothing's going to surprise you. Today, no. Isn't? You're no, going to be like, it's a mess. Isn't no, you? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know why? I don't know because it kind of goes down to what we were just saying in the previous conversation. If there's nobody in the room to say hey guys, and I do mean guys literally.
0: <laughs> right. Gentlemen.
1: Yeah, yeah, gentlemen. There, there's something wrong here, yeah. right? Like, there is an issue that needs to be addressed. Where are the women? And why don't more of our characters have more speaking roles, right? Yeah. Or why are we not casting broadly? Or why are we not adding characters to a storyline that could be just as impactful that has women characters in it? And so, again, it goes to, if people just aren't in the room to raise their hand and ask these questions, yeah. you most people just won't think about it, right? It's because that's what you're used to right and and that's really what it goes down to can
0: that still be an excuse these days though when you talk about like if you just if you have a twitter account mm-hmm. you know what people are saying about representation like it's hard it's hard these days to be unaware yeah i think about some of the conversations that are going on is that still a valid excuse like there's no one in the room we didn't know
1: yeah it's not a valid excuse whatsoever but to me, there is reason to believe why they still are slow to make the change, right? This isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to keep individuals like yourself or or not yourself personally, but having a platform right. that allows diverse opinions and thoughts to kind of come on your programming and to discuss this. It's going to take more activists to have hashtags. It's going to take more women in Hollywood to kind of come out and keep leading this movement. Don't give up on it. Keep wearing your color themes and your attires and keep making these speeches at the Oscars and, the, and the other award shows in order for it to really set in, right? And because individuals who are having the position of power, yeah. they will obviously say, yeah, that makes sense. But I'm not doing it. Right, right. Like I'm fine. Well, so I'm not. not, Yeah, this is the question. I'm not misogynistic.
0: If you're if you're someone in that position of power, able to make those kinds of decisions, able to control who Mm. hires whom and what gets greenlit and what doesn't. What's the selling point? Like if you walk into a room with someone and you've tried to convince one of those heads of the studios, this is something that they want to do. If they're doing all right. Yeah, and it doesn't doesn't upset their lives at all to continue with the status quo. Yeah. Why would they be incentivized to do that, to make those kind of changes?
1: Because in their mind, um, they're okay. In their mind, I'm married. I have daughters at home, so how could I be misogynistic? You know what I mean? I have that black friend. How can I be racist? I have a gay couple that come over every Sunday for dinner. How can I be homophobic, right? And so they're not really recognizing the mindset of what it is they're actually doing until they get called out. I mean, a great example of this, Amna, literally we just witnessed this last Sunday at the Grammys. After the Grammys came out, there was a big protest that came up about how women did not get recognized enough in the major categories, nor did even the the one female, Lord, who was up for Best Album, have the opportunity to even perform. And we literally had, in this moment when Janelle Monae made this fantastic speech for women's issues, for women's rights within the music industry, in the recording academy, talk about the women, and then the president of the recording academy came out and said women just need to step up more. Yeah, that answers your question right there. And he was literally sitting in the audience when he heard Janelle Monáe make that statement. He saw on Twitter what women were reacting to and he still came out and said they need to step up.
0: Right. Any later, we should clarify. Walk back those comments. He faced an enormous blowback.
1: Absolutely, uh,
0: walk them back and said I, I misspoke. I, I meant to say that we need to be there to support women mm-hmm. to help them along the way. But it was incredibly troubling that that was his first remark.
1: But, is it, it, but it goes back to um, The initial reaction, right. right? The initial reaction is this. Right. In spite of all this activism that we saw on his stage, yeah. that's not even talking about the awards was previously in, in other industries that yeah. talked about it. Literally, just in that space. So again, that goes back to this unconscious bias. He's like, it's not me. I'm not the problem, right? So Others le- are.
0: Let's talk about where the change is happening now because we mentioned early on that the Oscar So White hashtag, yep. right? Two years of no actors of color across both the leading and supporting categories, and that hashtag trending, and everyone actually talking about it yep. for the Academy to institutionalize some real change, right? Yeah. Among their leadership as well. Are you heartened at all by what you're seeing happening now, by the categories or the nominations we just saw? The fact that Moonlight won Best Picture last year does that show you there's change happening in a
1: real way? Absolutely, I'm feeling really great about it. Actually, that we still have, again, i to be very clear, mostly speaking, we still have a long way to go, <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing a lot better than we have over the years of, of the Academy. Yeah. But i um, It goes to what you're what you're saying is that. It's one thing to talk about it, right? And it's one thing to have these hashtags. And again, shout out to April Rand who created the hashtag Oscar So White, but it goes to the action behind it. And it goes beyond just forming a task force. Like how many task force are out there where we actually see no results, right? And right. it's a PR strategy. We're gonna form a task force, right? Yeah. That's the immediate response. And t- I'm not devaluing task force. They work when you are authentically interested in having it to work, right? right? So I'm still waiting on the Recording academy to see what they're gonna do with their task force, okay. right? Okay. Well, the Oscars, though, what they did was they had meetings and they intentionally with thought it goes to intentionality. Yeah. They intentionally wanted a new diverse inductees of their class of members to be inducted into the academy.
0: Basically bringing people into the power circle.
1: Literally who are diverse, who are more women, right, who are different ethnic backgrounds, different identities. Right. And in doing so, Amna, they had to cut some people from the role too as well. And so you have to make those uncomfortable decisions to cut, right? To cut this monolithic demographic of your base and add on more diverse individuals to come into these categories. And as we're seeing that as they have intentionally decided to be more diverse in their induction process of it, we're now starting to see more representation throughout the categories now at the academy. So I'm just thinking maybe five years from now, 10 years from now, I think we're even gonna be more diverse than we already are right now. And so it takes the uncomfortable decisions and it also takes authentic intentionality in doing it but amna um, it also says not to be afraid to say Black, brown, Hispanic, Indian, Asian, gay, women, right? You have to say these words, right? It's too easy to hide in this diversity and inclusion. That's safe, right? right? But when you actually call it by its name, no pun intended, (laughs) it becomes real, right? And that's when the uncomfortability happens, but that's when change happens when you're uncomfortable. So
0: is it worrying to you at all, though, that it takes like two years of public shame, basically? A trending hashtag of people saying, what is happening here? Like mm-hmm. a- real outrage before that kind of change occurs. Is that troubling?
1: You know what's troubling, Amna, is that it's going to take more than just those two years. It's troubling that we're still going to have to keep using that hashtag as a reminder, right? It's troubling that we're still going to have to have hashtag times up. It's troubling that we're still going to have to have the hashtag me too, right? And because you're going to have to hold feet to the fire because people, it takes a while for people to make that mental shift. Right. A lot of this is very generational, when you think about it. Do you think
0: that's true, too? Yes. people, as they grow and change, and they're growing up in a different America, they will just know that their priorities are different?
1: I think there's a generation coming behind us that will eventually become to recognize that separate priorities no longer work in this American fabric, um, but we need to have more inclusive priorities to represent all of America and really defining what America is. Mm -hmm. It's difficult for me not to bring politics into the conversation. Uh, That makes it more challenging and difficult because the way we talk about the immigration, the way we talk about xenophobia is very counterintuitive to what is actually happening in generations behind who are being instilled that we're all the same. We all have value. We all have equals when we have those adults in a room who are using this very xenophobic kind of commentary of othering and fear mongering that's that's taking place, but it holds to the fire those who have the microphone, those who have a camera, right? To really make sure they hold everyone's feet to the fire and also too if you have a cell phone with your hashtag and your Twitter, right? And that's the part that gives me hope is that others haven't been been empowered now, no matter if you make $20 million a year or if you make $20 an hour, right? You still have equal power to create the change that needs to happen, but it bothers me that it's gonna have to keep continuing Because the moment you let up, the moment you get complacent, that's when things go right back to where they were.
0: You mentioned people making $20 million a year when I ask you about the role of celebrities in this, because obviously a lot of the power resides with the executives, with Mm -hmm. the decision makers. But as we've seen recently and one of the suggestions that this one report made that looked at diversity, one of the suggestions was, hey, if you start getting those A-list celebrities to have equity written into their contracts, like, I'm going to make sure that my, you know, my co-stars of color or other people of diverse backgrounds are paid equitably, yeah. or that, uh, you know, I'm in some way tied to them. Like we saw recently with, um, I can't remember the Dr. name uh, now, it was, uh, it was Octavia, Spence and Octavia and, and, Spencer, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That they said, okay, we're going to go in this together, or our, our fates are tied to some degree. You've worked with celebrities yeah. and in social change. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is a viable way to start to hold those folks accountable to say you're responsible for mm-hmm. making sure this happens too oh
1: here we go with well, the uncomfortable part of the conversation
0: you can name names. yeah <laughs> if you like
1: <laughs> it's so important for celebrities to step up and do that, Amna, but unfortunately, celebrities are afraid of the endorsements uh, deals to go b- wrong in Tower. That's I mean, it. Let's take Michael Jordan, for example. Michael Jordan in his past, yes, he's given money recently, and, and we want to salute him for that. Mm-hmm. But in the past, he wouldn't support political parties or political interests, and he would say... Democrats buy my shoes as well as Republicans buy my shoes, right? right? And so that is a great example of the mindset generationally that celebrities have from then to now about... If I engage in this, will this affect and hurt my brand? Right. right? If I engage in this, not in my brand in terms of economics, but will this alienate some members of my fan base? Right. Because a lot of individuals and celebrities think that sports is neutral. Right. A lot of individuals think that the films that people come to like, see I'm stay is in neutral, my lane. and that the musicians they always say, "Hey, I have people from all sides," you know, come to my concerts and tours. So they're afraid to really mess up their bottom line, of economics. But I yeah. think the time for that has changed. Right. And I think a good case study to really reflect that is two interesting points. Let's look at Colin Kaepernick, for example. Right. Colin Kaepernick, his jersey shot up to be one of the top selling jerseys within the NFL.com store. First taking a knee. Nothing didn't happen, right? In terms of economics. But then you look at the individual. Oh my god, I'm gonna mess up his name, Amna mm-hmm. Alejandro. He plays with the Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: I am not the right person. To so he this played question, with the Pittsburgh Steelers okay. <laughs> and he's a former military
1: vet. Okay. Um, and there was a moment in a football game when the Pittsburgh Steelers decided to stay in the locker room just to avoid the controversy altogether. Right. He actually came out, not recognizing the cameras were catching him, outside the tunnel and he saluted the American flag. And he didn't take a knee. But you know what happened, Amna? His jersey went up just as well. And so those are two case studies on right. opposite ends of the spectrums who are various, both celebrities and have high impact on society, yeah. but yet they still had economic success with their brand. Yeah. And so, to all the celebrities out there that are listening, let that be the gauge, right? And that nowadays, consumers and fans and consumers now want their consumer goods companies to stand for something, right? They want them to have a constitution. They're going to rally behind and support their consumer goods. It's no different now what they want to see in their celebrities, right? And their athletes. Same thing in Hollywood, same thing with actors. Hollywood, like right? we want to know what your constitution is, right? The day of you just sitting silent and getting your hair and makeup done and having me come pay $16.50 for a movie theater and you don't speak up for anything are done, right? Like, I want to hear what you have to say. And with that being said, there needs to be more allies in that, right? What was troubling about to me, the recording academies, you know, if, I'm sure you know this now, the female executives within the music industry came out and wrote this fantastic letter. And I'm, I'm so glad that they did. Yeah. Right? But you know who was missing from that? Was the female executives and the actual record labels was missing from that. And one has to say on the other side, I, I get it. Right. Their right. jobs. Are on the line. People are
0: looking out for their own self-interest and too, self-interest. right? And I'm not just saying at that's At what point wrong. does it make sense to engage?
1: Exactly. So I, I have to say I understand their point, and yeah. I'm not saying they're, I'm not saying the female record executives are wrong for that. Yeah. And I understand it's a difficult and uncomfortable position to be in, but in that instance, that's when you need your male counterparts in the record labels to come out and say something is wrong. Then the rec- the men in the record labels need to be the allies, just as well as the white females in Hollywood was an ally for the blacks in terms of the, and, the, and the equity and wage gap that existed like
0: Muse before I let you go toughest yes. question I'm going to ask you who is going to win best picture at the Oscars
1: Woo! great question Amna we are
0: on the record now this is it who's going to win
1: okay so here's the thing Amna <laughs> 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 this Here,
0: is going to be the most complicated. Yeah, answer. yeah.
1: You see, as I get nervous, I'm like wiping my hands and my knees. I'm like, I can't believe you asked me that question. Everything else
0: you just said. Who's going to win? Any
1: what? Throwing me off is last year. So last year you had Moonlight. Yeah. One, but up against the machine, La La Land. Yes. Right. It was La La Land. Yeah. You know, this big money maker, this big money machine. Right. So now it's even me to believe. Like, is the Academy comfortable with art house type films? You know, so can Call Me by Your Name get in there? Yeah. Can Get Out. You know get in there
0: you think get out has a chance i
1: think get out has only because based upon last year's precedent that's okay. set is because that your what, final what, answer? what we're seeing right now is three billboards is like the la la land of last year right, right. oh it's just there it's just give it it's to, them. It's give it to them. It's just shoot it's a shoe in but yeah. it's like i don't know what the academy's gonna do so i think it's gonna be some i think we're gonna see a surprise and i think the surprise is either call me by your name mm-hmm. get get out or ladybird
0: I'm going to give you three answers because you're Mike Muse. Yes.
1: I know. Thank you. <laughs> that was too hard. And I'm
0: going to thank you for your <laughs> I time. I the fifth. Thank you so much for being
1: I'm, here. you're amazing. I thank really you so appreciate. much. for. I actually got uncomfortable today and a couple of times. <laughs> That's the point. I actually squirmed a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, <Mike> Avna. <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Avna.
0: Thank you for listening to Uncomfortable. If you like what we're doing, take a minute, leave us a rating and a quick review. It helps others to find these conversations. And we really just want to hear what you think. Plus, we've made it easy. Just click on the link in the description of this episode. If you have an idea for a show topic or a guest, leave it in the reviews or tweet at me, at Navazistan. that's N-A-W-A-Z-I-S-T-A-N, or use the hashtag Uncomfortable Talk. Uncomfortable is a production of ABC News. New episodes post every two weeks on Tuesday mornings. I'm Amna Nawaz. Thanks for listening.